0: Good day. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, I'm talking to psychologist Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin. I want to tell you, she's also an executive coach, an organizational consultant who focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion. You're an author as well. You want to throw the, the book title out there?
1: Sure. It's um, Own Your Greatness, Overcome Imposter Syndrome, Beat Self-Doubt, and Succeed in Life.
0: Mm-hmm. I was gonna say you—you've uh, written a book on this. I want to dive into imposter syndrome? So, can you break down for us what exactly that is? What is imposter syndrome? We've heard this quite a bit lately, and for good reason.
1: Yeah. So, imposter syndrome is the experience when you are successful, you're accomplished, you have experience and skills and strengths, you haven't internalized it. And as a result of not internalizing it, you fear that you're constantly going to be exposed as a fraud or an incompetent. As a result of that fear, you either overwork or self-sabotage, and this often leads to burnout. And so that is the experience of imposter syndrome.
0: So this this shows up in many ways, because I, you know, I read some of of, of what you've written and, and, you know, listen to some of what you said on Instagram, which is how I found you in the first place, you all should check yes. out her Instagram page. Um, there's a lot of first, right? So first generation, this or that for families, folks who may be the first person in their family to graduate high school or graduate college, they may not feel like they belong in that environment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, first-generation experiences can really impact your experience and an ability to internalize these accomplishments and strengths, and that can leave you feeling like you don't belong, like you're an imposter. The environments that you're in, like college or your first job, can feel very foreign and very different, and that you can't find community in them, and so it can, it can burge in those feelings of imposterism, which aren't true, but can kind of, can kind of be reinforcing of that experience.
0: Do we ever fully know what we're doing? I mean, do we ever really have all the answers if we're honest about this?
1: No, uh, nor should we. And, and the expectation isn't that an expert knows everything. It's just that they have a, a good understanding of content knowledge of their field. But the, the idea is that you shouldn't know everything. And I, the, we talk about in our book about this concept of being a knowledge hub, that you, know, you feel like if you don't have the answers to everything, then, you, then you're incompetent. And those things are very far apart. Not knowing an answer and being incompetent are very far apart. They're not the
0: same thing. See, and I think it's important that you point that out because you know so often, especially in uh, the corporate world, you know, colleagues may say, "Well, he or she doesn't have all the answers," so clearly they're not qualified. But who has all the answers? You just said no one really has all the answers. No. Is it easier to 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 fall into that trap for people who uh, may be a minority in the environment, right? Because they've been told probably, that they're not qualified uh, for the entirety of their career.
1: Yeah, I think when we talk about um, the experience of you know, being an, an underrepresented group or being a minority um, in any capacity, so you could be a woman, you could be Black, you could, it, it could be a different racial group than other people in your organization. The, we talk about this experience of being having the double impact of imposter syndrome. So where you're experiencing this feeling of being a fraud internally, and externally you're being told, well, maybe you don't belong. You know, maybe you know you are here because of a diversity program. Maybe you know you aren't qualified and those experiences are based on discrimin- discrimination and stereotyping but they're sending that message that, and reinforcing this idea that you don't belong and what the research shows is so important when you have these experiences of the double impact both experiencing it internally and externally that it's important to have community around you around that salient identity and to be able to get the support that you need from that community it's, it's critically vitally important to being able to deal with with the imposter syndrome
0: I've heard you use the word internalized, right? And so I must believe that part of the biggest challenge one faces in these environments is that an in, in internal tug of war of not embracing uh, other people's assessments of them. That's not easy to, to avoid doing.
1: Yeah, I think it's really hard. And I think, you know, because we haven't internalized our successes when we struggle with imposter syndrome, we very much rely on external validation temporarily to, to feel sated and to feel like we're doing a good enough job. But that can be very difficult when the external messages are negative and telling us we don't belong, because um, then it reinforces this idea that, yes, perhaps we do not belong here, perhaps we are a fraud.
0: So, you know, what What can we do when we, we feel that way? Because it's, it's not as simple as saying, you've got this. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than that. What what can one do to overcome these issues? Because it creeps in. It can be pernicious, can it not?
1: Yes, it can. And I think it can be long lasting. I think one of the things that I think oftentimes people believe is that you know, when I get the next promotion, when I get the next degree, when I get the next success, it's going to go away. And sometimes it actually amplifies, it gets worse because the responsibility is greater, the visibility is greater. And so I think it's really important to tackle it head on. And there are many things that you can do. Um, for example, you can work on recognizing your trigger. So what is triggering the, the imposter syndrome and be able to diffuse the trigger Instead of responding with overwork or self-sabotage, you choose a new behavior, choose a healthier behavior for you. Um, You can work on the automatic negative thoughts, the thoughts that creep into your mind when you are triggered that tell you, you're gonna screw up, you're gonna make a mistake, this is gonna go awful. Um,
0: And and you will, you will screw up and make a mistake.
1: Yeah, because you're human. Right. Um, Not because you're horrible um, or because you're incompetent. Um, And so really learning to challenge them pretty proactively. Um, It's also about really being very good about your self-care and learning to kind of prioritize yourself over others. Um, It's also really important about building community around you that knows how to support you in healthy ways around coming out of your imposter syndrome, about changing your narrative. There are a lot of different skills we talk about in the book. There are like nine different skills we talk about in the book that are incredibly important to build. Um, to actually solidify kind of a movement out of the imposter syndrome. And it is possible, and it is possible to do it quickly, even though you may have been experiencing it for decades.
0: I like this. You said it's because you're human. It's not because you're horrible.
1: Yes, it's true. (laughs) Humans make mistakes. We're fallible. We are not perfect. There's no way to be perfect. And and aspiring for perfection is looking for failure. I mean, you're just never going to be able to do it.
0: Wait a minute. You, you mean, doctor, you you don't walk on water. You yourself no, don't walk on water. Not even close.
1: I'm a very fallible human being.
0: <laughs> How has this impacted you? I mean, y- you had to have. I you must have identified it within yourself to to help other people work through this, right?
1: Well, you don't have to. As a psychologist, we don't have to experience the things that we have worked on. But I have experienced imposter syndrome, and I and I talk about it. I had I did a TEDx talk, and I talked about it very explicitly about the worst moments in my career that that were brought on by my imposter syndrome. And so I have lived it and I have I experienced it and have gotten over it for the, for the most part. And so I think it is really, um, I often use that as a testament of the fact that you can have another experience because oftentimes people feel like this is it for me, I'll never have another experience and it is possible to have another experience.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because just as we draw from our past experiences and say this is evidence of why maybe I don't belong here, Overcoming certain situations in the past, we must do that as well, right? We must reference those experiences and say, "No, this is why I will be just fine because yeah. this happened or that happened, and I'm I'm still it's standing." It's a great here. point.
1: I mean, it's a great point because I think it is really important to be able to look back on the ways that you have been successful and attribute it to yourself. Because oftentimes, when we have imposter syndrome, we tri- attribute successes to luck, a mistake. Um, a relationship overwork, And we don't attribute it to our strengths, our skills, our aptitudes, our resilience, other things that belong to us.
0: So men and women experience life differently. There are a lot of similarities there, but w- what have you gathered in, in your work, uh, the different ways that one may experience imposter syndrome for men versus women? How how are the experiences yeah. similar and how are they very different?
1: I think, you know, it. it you know, I think there's been a lot of talk, you know, in, especially in social and other pop in other places that you know women experience this more often. There's no data to suggest that women actually experience it more often than men. Um, there's inconclusive data in the research, but I think what what the research has shown is that um, men men do something very different with it and they aim potentially toward mastery. And so sometimes as a result of aiming toward mastery, they affiliate with less competent peers um, so that they can make sure that they they are mastering a situation. Yes, they take less risks. (laughs) Yeah, they take less risks. Um, where women will, will be counterphobic and face the thing that they fear, and as a result, be constantly plagued by imposter syndrome. I find when I do talks on imposter syndrome, the women are pretty open and, and out there, and they'll, they'll ask the question, and they'll be public, and the men always use the, the confidential sources to ask the questions. They still want to almost cover and, and and really not be but like, give me being, a scenario like I've event. got
0: this friend and, you know, he's that type of situation. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Or like, you know, when we do talks, you know, we have opportunities to either be able to ask questions publicly or do it, through, do it through anonymously. And the men will always ask typically the questions anonymously. And I think there's a lot of, you know, as a result of the way that we're cultured gender wise, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, perceptions about masculinity and about being vulnerable and really being able to kind of be out there about these circumstances that I think need to be combated pretty proactively because it's important for men to also recognize they struggle with it too and it can interfere with their career career aspirations.
0: Well, because the sooner, you know, you point something out, then the the, the sooner you can maybe start working on
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So you think that's due in part to social conditioning?
1: I think so. Yeah. I don't think it's a gender biological thing. I think it is a social conditioning kind of result of
0: that. And for African-American men, there's another layer here in terms of, you know, when we delineate between men and women, and then we go even further and black men and white men, and we're looking at the world through that lens, there are just certain things you're told as a boy that you just don't do. You don't want to expose yourself uh, for not knowing something, not knowing better, because it it you you don't have any help anyway. You're you're going to look incompetent. You look incompetent when you walk in the room. So why ask this question? Ask, <laughs> yeah. Why exacerbate that? Yeah. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really. I think there's a like like we talked about the double impact. There's this other piece of like if you are a black man and you're already feeling like your masculinity may be threatened like why would you additionally threaten if by sort of really talking about you have imposter syndrome and you have this vulnerability but it is so important to really be able to get the help and support by kind of talking about it and being able to admit it because the only way the only way it's going to get better is through it not avoiding it it's not that's just going to make it worse
0: it makes me think of, you know, W.E.V. DuBois, and he talked about two-ness and, you know, double consciousness and, yeah. and, and you know, so you, you almost have this version of yourself that you present to the public, but in the back of your mind, you have the other version of yourself. Yeah, um,
1: and that yeah. version of yourself back in your mind is torturing you. It's making you feel insecure. It's making you feel threatened. It's making you feel like you're not good enough. It's making you overwork and overfunction It's doing a lot of really damaging things to you as a person.
0: So what can we do to avoid um, exacerbating someone else's imposter syndrome? Maybe we're doing this, maybe we're projecting this onto people and we don't realize it. What are some of the things we should avoid doing and saying?
1: I think, I think a bunch of things. So one of them is like... Um, you know, not expecting perfection from people, really appreciating people when they make mistakes and seeing it as a growth opportunity and really teaching them to fail forward and, and really see that, see mistakes as opportunities for growing. I mean, I think it can also be these experiences where we, we overvalue overwork where we're like, Oh, I was in my office for 18 hours. And you're like, Oh, that's, you worked so hard as opposed to why didn't you go home at seven? You know, um, you know, really engaging in these cultural behaviors that are yeah. reinforcing of imposter syndrome, right? Encouraging people to continuous, continuously prove themselves to us. All of these things can be reinforcing.
0: Yeah, you know what, it's funny you say that and we connected via Instagram because the memes on Instagram operation no sleep it's like yo that's not healthy
1: (laughs) no it's a bad idea (laughs) i haven't
0: eaten all day and look at what i've done it's like Mm -hmm. i don't know how well that production is going to turn out because you're hungry um right what the
1: consequences are for your life
0: yeah right? Uh, but yeah. it's really glorifying yes. um, the overwork that you're, you're alluding to.
1: Yes. Yeah. to kind of no sleep and, you know, persisting. And like, I think, you know, we see it in the popular culture and like, you know, tweets about people like, you know, Elon Musk sleeping on the floor of his, if these are not glorifiable things. These are things that are problematic and that we in a, as a culture probably need to shift in our ways of seeing that this is healthy. This is not healthy. You
0: know? But there's a lot of shaming that goes on beyond that because people say, well, if you say otherwise, as we're discussing now, especially as a man, you're soft. Yes. Society is so soft now. So well, you we almost- should stop
1: put... doing that too.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got a book on that one coming? Some folks need Not to read that. Not on that one, but definitely- <laughs> They need to read that one.
1: We need to stop doing that too, right? Is really judging people when they take time off, when they take vacations, when they when they actually work the hours that they're supposed to be working like it's okay like to really allow them to go home at five and be like yay for you i should be doing that too i'm following you out the door as opposed to being like look at him out as soon as the 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 clock turns five he's out of here he's doing a good thing you know he's doing something healthy and appropriate and boundary setting you know so
0: but and i i completely embrace all of this because it is something that people need to to know and understand but there are different rules in society when it comes to how I may be um, accepted versus someone who does not look like me. And sure. then you hear that growing up over and over, you must work twice as hard to get half the credit. And so that in and of itself exacerbates this problem when we're back at square one, are we not?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think these things are, are true, right? We know them to be true because we've experienced them. Um, and at the same time, that's not the goal. Like my goal in life is not to work twice as hard to get half the notice. My goal is to work as hard as I need to in an appropriate fashion and then get the notice that I need. And I think it's really important to really understand that in certain in certain work cultures and certain communities that's gonna be the case, but I've also, seen and and witnessed where in certain cultures where they value you, you don't have to, you don't have to work out twice as hard, but it's about surrounding yourself with the people and the cultures and the institutions that will value you and not putting up with ones that do not.
0: I feel like I'm supposed to say amen right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my next book oh my is headed
1: around organizational and cultural change. <laughs> oh
0: my goodness. So how do we begin to heal? What does that look like? We can't do it all in one day, right? No. So what does healing look like?
1: I mean I think it's baby steps. It's really at the you know when we're talking about imposter syndrome it's really recognizing that you do have imposter syndrome and being able to talk about it maybe with somebody that you trust around you. And taking one step forward, whatever it might be, to kind of combat it. You know, we talk about the cycles of imposter syndrome and, and how that how you can get into these spirals. It's choosing a point in the spiral and breaking it, um, and working to kind of commit to continuing to break it. So I think it's really about taking one baby step forward.
0: You know? This shows itself in weight loss as well. I mean, yeah. you know, I've had these conversations with folks, and they just they just feel like they're not worthy of of, of their accomplishments. I mean, this is all encompassing. This is great information. <laughs> oh, um, are there any chapters I did not unlock that maybe you'd like to highlight before we, before we jump off?
1: I mean, I think the, the, for me, the most important piece, I think, is really understanding that you are valuable. And there's something that my husband said to me when I was stuck in my imposter syndrome that really changed my life, which is that he said, um, if you work as hard for yourself as you do for others, you're going to be unstoppable. And I think it's such an important orientation to have. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. You ever read the book and the author says something so profound that the book just feels heavy? You just got to set it down <laughs> for a moment. <laughs> this is that. Thank you so much for your time. You're Dr. so Nor- welcome. It's my pleasure. Yes, yes. And, and again, give that book title to folks out there so that they can go check it out for themselves and start working on themselves.
1: Sure. It's own your greatness, overcome imposter syndrome, beat self-doubt and succeed in life. Amen. (laughs) Amen.
0: (laughs) Thank you all for, for listening today. And until next time, have a good one.